but we are praying that God would keep his hand upon them. Some are uh, dealing with a death in the family and others with sicknesses and travel arrangements. Uh, but we push forward. Yes. Amen. And we believe that God is going to give us the increase. And if we'll be consistent and faithful and, and we'll uh, get in the Holy Ghost, amen, God is going to help us, amen, to have the revival that God has in store for us to have. Uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18. And this is the words of Jesus. Just one uh, excerpt from this chapter. Matthew 16 and 18. And this is the red letter uh, words. Amen. Implying that this is the words of Jesus. Uh, not, not implying, but letting us know these is, this is the words of Jesus. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. Everyone say my church. My church. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then if you can uh, skip over a few more pages in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number five. Amen. Ephesians chapter number five and verse number 22. And it says. And we're going to just. Yeah, there we go. Verse number 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Everyone say the church. church. Amen. Is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be, be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And then verse 31 says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then verse 32 brings this passage of scripture into proper perspective. Uh, because here we're reading from verse 22 to 32. And it's talking about a husband loving his wife. And it's, it's giving you an analogy of how Christ loves the church. And the uh, importance of the church. Amen. The importance of the wife to the husband. The importance of the church. To Christ and verse 32 wraps it up and says, this is a great mystery, but I speak and he explains the mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And we're going to dive into uh, what we read here uh, in these uh, short passages of scripture. And for a few moments tonight, I want to teach, talk, preach, whatever the Lord has, uh, how has me to deliver it. On the church of God. The church of God. Can you say that with me tonight? The church of God. Amen. One more time. The church of God. 
Amen. And so uh, from there, we're just going to dive right into it and this study about the church. The word church, as many of you know that have grown up in church and, and lived for God and heard the word of God uh, preached, the word church comes from the word ecclesia, which means the called out ones. It is the ones that are called out, amen, from this world unto the Lord. The New Testament equivalent is those born again of water and spirit. Amen. And we still believe, amen, that you've got to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Amen. If you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I'm looking forward to the teachings that are going to be happening uh, on Sunday mornings. Brother Walmers uh, has a series of lessons about uh, the New Testament plan of salvation and what it means to be saved. And I'm looking forward to that. But we still believe, amen, the word of the Lord, that you must be born again of water and spirit. Amen. If you want to get into heaven, you must be born again of the water and of the spirit. Uh, In the Old Testament up to Genesis chapter number 12, God dealt with the entire human race as a whole. And and but with the call of Abraham and his seed, God established a select people. Amen. When God called Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you and through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. God began to establish a select group of people where in which he was going to put his name. Amen. And this people's purpose The purpose of the people of God was to reveal God. I want you to hear me carefully. The purpose of the people of God is to reveal God, his plan and his nature to the rest of the world. That is our purpose tonight as the church of the living God is to reveal God, to reveal his plan and to reveal his nature to the rest of this world around us. That is our purpose. And if we are not fulfilling our purpose, amen, then I would doubt whether we are truly the church of the living God. If we are not uh, displaying his characteristics, if we are not explaining, preaching the plan of salvation, and if we are not revealing God to our world, then we are failing to be the church that God has intended and predestined us to be. And through the process of time, we find that God uh, would enrobe himself in flesh and reveal himself to us in Jesus Christ. It was God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Amen. However, upon the rejection of Jesus by the Jewish people, the door was open. Amen. To whosoever will, according to Revelation Chapter 22 and verse number 17. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the waters of life freely, the Bible says. Thus the New Testament ecclesia or the New Testament church, the called out ones came into being. Amen. And here we find ourselves. Here we find abundant life center. Here we find the Camarino family and the other families in this church, the Hall family and so on and so forth. Here we find ourselves in this Church age. This is where we are in this current day. We are in the church age. Amen. According to Acts chapter 15 and 14. Amen. The church age is a parenthesis in time. It is an excerpt in time in which God is taking out of the Gentile. Amen. A people for his name. 
Amen. It is the church age is a time in which God is seeking, amen, to pull out a people from this world and to put his name upon their lives and to put his stamp of approval upon their lives and to put his character and his nature upon their lives and to separate them, amen, from the world and to himself. And God is seeking today in this church age to establish a people, amen. God wants to use abundant life center in this San Joaquin County to be the church of the living God, a called out group of people that have the name of Jesus upon their lives, that walk holy, that live separate from the world, that live pleasing to God, the church of the living God. And that is where we find ourselves today. And this church that I'm talking about, the church Amen. That we read a few moments ago in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, 18. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'm going to tell somebody in this place today, the gates of hell are fighting against Abundant Life Center. The gates of hell are fighting against you and they're fighting against me. The gates of hell are fighting, but I'm going to tell you today, they shall not prevail against the church of the living God. If we remain true to be in the church, the called out ones, when the end of the story, we win. And we overcome and we prevail. If we stay true to what God has intended and designed us as a church to be. There's a pattern that we must follow. The church was predestined before the foundation of the world, according to Ephesians chapter 1 and 4. In this book of Ephesians, we read a moment ago, the Apostle Paul goes on to declare that the church has its mission according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, we see that the church was not an afterthought. The church as it exists today, as you and I are a part of it, is not an afterthought. It's not a plan B, if you will. It's not something that the Lord said, oh man, that first plan failed. So uh, let me think, oh, how about I raise up a church? No, it's not an afterthought. It is the eternal uh, predestined plan of God from the, from the foundations of the world to have himself a people that are called by his name. That's why we make such a big deal about being baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost, or anybody else, amen, we make a big deal about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost because the church is God. Amen. Seeking to bring out a people called by His name. Not by his titles, not by the offices that he fulfills, but by his name. And what's his name, church? Come on, shout it back to me. Shout it one more time. Thank you, Jesus, for your revealed plan. Thank you for revealing your name to us, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We are the called out ones. Amen. We are the called out ones. Yes. And there has been an eternal purpose that Jesus has for this church. For the church at large, but also for Abundant Life Center. There is a plan. There is a, 
uh, there's a pattern that God has for our church. And if we follow that plan, if we follow that pattern that is that God has intended for our church, amen, we can be fruitful and we can we can prosper and we can be profitable and we can be blessed. Amen. And the world will see Jesus because we're following the plan that he's given us as a church. Hallelujah. Someone say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is in this place tonight. Amen. It was not an afterthought nor accidental, but God had already purposed to have himself a church from the very beginning. And God's word employs varied examples by which he reveals the nature of the church in its different aspects. Sometimes for us to fully grasp and comprehend and understand to Mary how God works, God begins to give us an illustration and God begins to speak in, in, in parables or in, in different manners so we can begin to say, oh, that's how it kind of uh, works. And we can, we, uh, it's, we, we can relate it to our personal lives and we can relate it to things that we've seen or we've experienced and we can understand a little bit more about the things of God. God gives us varied examples, many different examples for us to understand what the nature of the church is. If we only use the analogy of sheep and a shepherd, we would only see believers as sheep that are dumb, that are this, that are that. Not a well-balanced approach and very little understanding of developing of believers into skilled craftsmen in building the house of God. Jesus understood that we need a concept of what the kingdom of God is like. And to do this, he used analogies. A sower went forth to sow. We say, oh, I can picture a field that's been rototilled and it's got that line down and, and I, I can picture uh, that, that sower with his basket full of seed. I can picture him walking and, and sprinkling seed and throwing seed. I can, you can picture that because the Lord begins to give us an analogy and says the sower went forth to sow. Oh, got it. Okay. So he's sowing. He's doing his thing. The Lord begins to make another analogy and he says uh, uh, he used an, an analogy about a field with tares in it. Things that are not uh, the real, they're not the, the, the genuine, but they're counterfeit. And God begins to tell us a story about the field of the tares and, 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 the, and the true seed. And, and God have, begins to tell us, you know, don't take the tares out in the very beginning because you might take out something that's good. So let the tares grow a little bit. And then when it's a little bit more fully grown, you can be able to more easily identify, yeah, that person doesn't have a right attitude or a right spirit, and that person just wants to rebel it. And so then we begin to make the necessary cuts and adjustments. But sometimes the Lord begins to let let us know it's a field with tears in it, but don't take the tears out yet. Be wise. Let it grow a little bit so you can easily identify and not make harsh mistakes. The Lord begins to give us another analogy how, about faith like a mustard seed. And in our minds, we begin to go into Google Images. We begin to look at what's a mustard seed. Maybe you go to the, uh, the, the store, the Home Depot, and find yourself a mustard seed and say, wow, that thing is really small. I say, Jesus, talk about a mustard seed. That's so small. Yeah, just like you don't need a lot of faith, just a little bit of faith. He begins to talk about another analogy about leaven in a bread or that yeast that's in a bread. If there's leaven in the bread, it will begin to rise. 
And you may not see anything initially, uh, but if you uh, allow that leaven to stay in there, if you allow that leaven to get in the bread, it's going to rise and it's going to keep rising. Hallelujah. I was able to watch my auntie-in-law some months ago around the holiday season. They baked all the bread. And she loves to bake bread and she does a fantastic job. And uh, my wife, we're not afraid to say that we love Aunt Sandy's cooking. But, and baking, she's just doing everything. But she was showing me, and Sister Dee's probably done this, you're making the bread and you put that yeast in it or whatever. And initially, you just let it sit there and it doesn't look like anything happened. But with time, you leave that thing out overnight and you don't cover it and it just keeps going higher and higher. It grows and grows and grows. And so the Lord begins to talk about leaven in a bread. And we begin to think, okay, how's that related to my life? Sometimes there's things that get into our lives and we're not aware of it. Or we let it fester, we let it settle in our spirits. And, and if we don't take care of it and address it, it just begins to get bigger and bigger and bigger and worse and worse and worse. And so the Lord uses that analogy. Another analogy the Lord uses talking about the kingdom of heaven is it is like treasure hidden in the field. And in our minds, maybe you, you start thinking this field right next to us, right in front of us, and this, this field right here next to the church. And somebody's thinking, man, I wonder if there's treasure in that field. I wonder what, I, wonder what I'd have to do to find any any rare coin or valuable item that would help me to strike it rich and, and fix all of my financial problems. And we begin to think about treasure in a field and the Lord begins to say, that's what it's like when you find something as good as this gospel message. It is treasure in a field that you'll do whatever it takes to find that treasure. You'll search for it, you'll seek for it, and once you find it, you'll sell out everything else that you've got and you'll buy the whole field, baby, because there's no telling what other treasures and the Lord uses these analogies and these mental pictures help us to conceptualize a subject and transmit it to others of, of what to, and how valuable and the different mannerisms and characteristics of the things of God. And if, if, if you were a smart person, like many of you are, all of you are, and you went down to the field right next to the church and you saw gold nugget buried and then you kicked around some dirt and you saw another raw just gold nugget and you'd probably think man I wonder if there's more in here and if you dug and you found maybe a couple more pieces you say that's it I'm going to call the real owner I'm buying this whole field I'm not telling them what I've got I'm just going to buy this whole field or if you went down to this field right here next to us and you started seeing oil come out of the ground. Some of you would be like, well, we're buying our own mortgage a house. Or whatever we got, we're going to get that field because that's oil, that's money. And you're not thinking, I'm just going to buy that one little part where the oil is. You say, you know what? That field has oil in it. And there's there, it's a whole gusher in there probably. I'm going to buy that whole field. And with that oil in that field that you get, you also get some thorns. You also get some briars. You also get some hard ground. You also get some other stuff that you don't like. The dogs barking in the, in the house behind it and so on and so forth and the bulls and everything else. And you say, but you know what? It's worth it because this is what I've been looking for. And we come to the house of God and sometimes we, when we come to the house of God, we, we experience the joy and the power and the presence of God. And we say, wow, that's powerful. Wow, that's wonderful. But then we, we look around and we say, well, that person doesn't always live for God. And that person over there doesn't always do this. And, and we begin to 
we begin to look at the field and say, well, man, you know, I don't know if I really want this. But the Bible, the Lord gives us an example, says it's like treasure hidden in the field. You buy the whole thing. And then you just you buy the whole thing and you say, God, I'm going to trust you to help me to work out the, the, the issues that I, that I have in the church and so on and so forth, God. But I'm buying this field. I'm buying this gospel message. I'm going to buy the whole thing hook, line and sinker, God. I'm going to buy the whole field. I want all that God has for me. And I pray to God there's still people in 2019 that says I want all of God. I want everything that God has. And buy this field. The Apostle Paul, going back to our opening scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22 through 32, refers to the church in Christ as a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. And Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. That's a high standard. One that I'm still working to obtain. And gave himself for it. For we are members, and skipping through some of the verses, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, skipping a little bit more. This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. This is the analogy that the Lord gives us about the church and him. Christ and the church, a husband and a wife that love each other, the, the husband that loves his wife and would do anything for her and would go to bat for her and would uh, so on and give his life for her and so on and so forth. Amen. And that's the example. And you think about the different factors that come into play in your marriage and what it helps to succeed. Amen. And make some comparisons about your walk with God and how the church interacts with God. Amen. You, you think about your marriage relationship. You think about your relationship with that significant other or your husband or wife. And you think, well, if our marriage is going to succeed and it goes somewhere, we've got to be able to have, to have communication. We've got to be able to talk to one another. Amen. And similarly, the Christ and the church there's got to be prayer. There's got to be communication that's going forward. If you're not communicating, if you're not praying with God, amen, you're, in a, you're in a bad relationship that only you can fix when you bend your knee and hit your face before God and say, God, I want to talk to you and I want you to talk to me. I want you to have your way in my life. You say, well, I pray. I pray 15 minutes a day. Well, I commend you for praying 15 minutes a day. If you only talk to your wife or husband 15 minutes a day and say, I'm, I, I, babe, I already did my 15 minutes. She would say, well, I thought we had a relationship. God wants your time. God wants your time. Even the little baby thought it was funny. She learned how to do all sorts of things. God wants our time. God wants not just someone that says, well, you know, I, I, I talk to the Lord as I'm vacuuming the carpet. I talk to the Lord as I'm taking out the trash. I'm talking to God while I'm driving on the road. I'm, I'm talking. But do you ever stop and have just a one-on-one God, and just say, Jesus, just me and you right now, Lord. You said that Christ and the church was like a husband and a wife. God, I just want to have a one-on-one date night with you right now. 
I just want to talk to you and you talk to me, God, and I know about you a little bit more. And God, you already know all about me, but God, you can give me advice and help me and work on my attitude and work on my spirit and so on and so forth. And as I interact with God, as a husband and wife does, Christ in the church, God begins to have his way in my life. And God begins to reveal some areas for improvement in my life. Suddenly, when the word of God is shined upon my life, I begin to see, oh man, there's this there's this glaring error flaw in my life. God, forgive me. God, help me to change it. God, give me. Be patient with me. Work with me, God. And because God loves us, right? Yeah. he gives us another chance. And he works with us. But in communication, time, talking to God, fellowship with him. Paul is referencing in this writing. You'll notice some of the key words that are used in this uh, particular passage of scripture uh, talking about bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh a direct reference to the book of Genesis and Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden as God began to uh, the story that we know that uh, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he he fell asleep in, in a deep sleep and slumber that God put upon him and then in this moment when he was sleeping that God the Bible says took a rib from his side and began to form uh, his wife Eve that perfect beautiful woman uh, and that perfect handsome man Adam uh, it wasn't I'll stop and say it wasn't Adam and Steve it was Adam and Eve Amen. We still believe that in marriage is between one man and one woman. And we're thankful, amen, for sound doctrine and the word of God that gives us a foundation and a basis for belief and living this life. Amen. We're anchored to the rock that God has put for us to establish ourselves upon. Hallelujah. But the reference there is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Talking about husband and wife. Christ and the church, Adam and Eve, and making all of these different connections. And we see the interconnectedness of these analogies and these stories of what the writer of Ephesians is referring to. Paul references in this writing the account of Adam and Eve in the garden and how that Adam went into a deep sleep and Eve was formed out of his side. And this sleep of Adam is a type of Christ's death, which Adam's sleep produced Eve. And Eve is a type of the church which Christ's death produced the church. Therefore, this reveals to us that the church is not just a group of people made over or simply made better, amen, uh, than they were before. But in fact, the church is an entirely new creation, amen. When you're born again of the water and of the Spirit, and you repent of your sins, and you say, I want to walk home and live separate, amen. God doesn't just make you a better sinner, amen. God doesn't just make you a better liar, a better cheater, but God says, I'm going to make something brand new, something that did not exist before in your life. Amen. I'm going to make a beautiful creation. And God is doing that. God's done it with you and I. And God wants to do it all over again. In fact, God wants to do that every time we get together. Amen. Every Sunday morning. Every Wednesday night. And if I could take it a step further, it's the will of God that shows the added to this church daily. Such as should be saved. This is still, and it should always be, a book of that church. We're so repent. We're so find God. We're baptized in Jesus' name. Fill with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It is the will of God. It is the will of God. Amen. That souls be added to the church daily. Daily. 
daily. It's the will of God that this building, this sanctuary, I know it's bigger and maybe sometimes it might even feel a little bit intimidating. But it's the will of God that this building, this sanctuary be maxed out. Every service be filled to capacity. It is the will of God that his church be full. It's God's will. But can I give you a surprise tonight that God wants to use you to fill this church? God can do anything He wants. He's a sovereign God. But God works through a Noah Hall. God works through a Nathan Hall. And God says, I'm going to use you, amen, to win some Jimmy Lube and then co workers to God. I'm going to use Brother Noah Hall to win some Jimmy Lube customers to God. I'm going to use, amen, Sister Camarilla to win some Kaiser employees to God. It's going to happen when we actively engage in a mission and say, God, use me. Let me be a part of what you're doing. I want the church to go forward. I want to be the the expression, the representation of God to this world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Understanding the importance of the church or bride of Christ allows us to see that there's nothing quite like the church. No doubt when Brother Paul met Sister Raina, he thought there's nothing like her. I thought that about my wife. This is what I looked for. Nothing like her. Everything I prayed for. You don't think God looks at the church that way and says, you know what? There's nothing like this church. I love this church. God loves Abundant Life Center. God loves this church right here in Lathrop. God says this is exactly the church uh, that I want to call out, that I want it to become. I want it to become more. But this is the church, and I love this church. And God's invested in this church. And if if my wife makes a mistake or makes an error, I'm going to continue to love her. And I've got to forgive her by the according to the scriptures. And I've got to say, I forgive you, I love you, and I'm going to keep investing in my relationship. And when you and I maybe mess up as a church living for God, God's invested. We'll come back and say, God, forgive me. God, help me. I want to be a better church goer. I want a better church member, a better child of God, a better Christian, a better praying man, a better praying woman. God is invested in this church tonight. Therefore, the most clear analogy of the church is that it is Christ's body. The most clearest uh, analogy or definition of the church is that it is the body of Christ. It is Christ's body. The church is Christ's visible body. The church is Christ's visible representation to the world of the invisible God. That's what the church is. It is the visible representation, or I would say even manifestation, of God to this world. God is choosing to reveal himself to this world through you and I. Therefore, there's a lot of importance, there's a lot of weight that is upon you and I, a lot of responsibility that you and I have to be the church. Because if we are not the church, then the world never knows him. Amen. But if we're the church and we're living holy and we're dressing holy and we're talking holy and we're talking to God and we're praying and we're faithful and we're doing all the things that we're supposed to do. And in all, in spite of everything, 
we got a smile on our face and God's providing. The church looks at us and says that's what it looks like. That's what God looks like in the world. That's the kind of life, the kind of family, the kind of marriage I can have if I give my heart to God. This church should be and must be the visible representation of God to our world. Just as Jesus said in John chapter 5 and 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. Since we are Christ's body, we too must recognize that we cannot do this on our own ability. If Jesus could recognize I can't do anything without the Father, amen, then you and I have got to come to some quick understanding that if I don't pray, I ain't going to be of any effect to anybody. If I don't read my Bible, if I don't get His Word in my heart and His Spirit in my soul, and if I don't live the way He wants me to live, I'm not going to be of any effect to anybody. Right, yes. Hallelujah. That's why we make a big deal about the Holy Ghost, having it daily in your life. Having the Holy Ghost daily in your life, having a daily time in your, in your day when you open your Bible and begin to read this Word. We make a big deal about coming to church and being faithful to the house of God and being early for prayer because we're trying to become more like him. And the closer you get to him and the more time you spend with him, the more you're going to begin to look like him and sound like him and talk like him and smell like him. And the world begins to say, I perceive that you've been walking with Jesus. I perceive you've been walking with Jesus. How did you know? How did they know, amen, that Peter, amen, was a disciple of Christ? Even though he denied him three times because he had a certain way of uh, carrying himself, a certain way of talking, a certain way of walking. He looked a certain way and they began to say, you're with him, you're with him, you're with him. You look like him, you smell like him, you talk like him, you dress like him. And the closer you get to him, the more you begin to act, talk, think, dress, all those things like him. Some years ago, I've told this before, but uh, I was probably... 20 or 21, and me and my brother Jeremiah, he's my he's the oldest brother. Me and my brother Jeremiah, we for a few years we did everything together. Everything. We went to we shared well he had the car, so that's probably why we did everything together. But we both went to Delta College the same time. We both worked at Office Depot at the same time in Tracy. We both went to church here. Faithfully, we both prayed. We both, once we finished our job at Office Depot, we both went straight to the gym and worked out. We were together all the time. And I, I'm, I love my brother. And I'm thankful for my brother Jeremiah because my brother Jeremiah really helped me to have a daily prayer life. I would see, and I'm talking for a few months about my brother, but I would see Jeremiah every day. Every day. On his uh, knees before the Lord as we went to bed praying. Talking to the Lord. I would see Jeremiah every day reading his Bible, taking his Bible to work, and every break time, every lunchtime, his Bible on the table in the break room, read his Bible. And I'm thankful for that because it helped me to say, you know what, I need to be like Jeremiah. I need to be, it was a good example for me. And we all need good examples in our life. But the point of what I'm talking about, what I'm saying in the story about Jeremiah, my brother Jeremiah, is we were together all the time. And there was lots of times in this couple of years. Now, we were going to school together, working together, working out together, going to church together. And we were in the same, I think, the same bedroom at the time. We had bunk beds. And there were a lot of times 
I would say something, and Jer- Jeremiah would say, I was just thinking the same thing, or vice versa. We, if you're with someone all the time, you begin to, well, number one, we already look like each other because we're brothers. Uh, but we begin to talk like each other. We begin to have the same thoughts and so on and so forth. The same thing when you're living for God and you're praying and you're reading your word and you're staying faithful to the, to the word, the house of God. You begin to think more like him. Amen. You begin to talk differently. And, and those things, those cuss words that begin to, you, were, begin to be in your mind, you begin to struggle with, you don't have to, those are not in your mind as much because you've been right. talking to the Lord. And, and as you draw closer to God, God will draw closer to you. And we become more like him. Uh, we need the spirit of God and the word of God to be at work in our lives and in our church. And without this connectedness to the spirit and the word of God, we are ineffective to say the least. If you're not connected to the word of God and the spirit of God, you are going to be and you're going to find yourself ineffective. Yeah. If you just show up to church and you just, you know. Say, well, I made it, but I'm not praying when I'm not at church and I'm not reading my Bible when I'm not at church. Uh, And sometimes I don't even bring my Bible to church. You're going to find yourself ineffective. You're going to struggle with some stuff, a lot of stuff, because you're not staying connected to the vine. Yes. I think it was Brother Walmer or someone that told a story about the vine one time. And you cut off a branch of the vine. The the reason the Lord used the illustration of the vine is because you cut that vine, it begins to wither almost immediately. Some things take a long time, but the vine is like almost instantly it starts to wither and shrivel up and die. You've got to stay connected. You've got to stay daily in prayer, daily in the word of God. You've got to have that connectedness to the spirit of God. And it's not even just a matter of just saying, well, you know, I prayed today. I'm going to challenge this church to go a little bit deeper. It's not even just saying, well, you know, pastor, I prayed today. But did you pray through? Yeah. Did you get to a place in prayer where you said, yeah, I broke through to God. Yes. I, I got an answer from God. I felt the victory. I began to cry. I began to talk in tongues. I, be, I began to hear from God. I, I got a breakthrough. That's being connected to Him. It's staying connected to God. And anything that's going to come between me and Him from getting connected, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to address it so I can stay connected to Him. I've got to stay connected to Him. You've got to have that connectedness to the Spirit and the Word of God. And His mission, if the church is the body of Christ, His mission must become our mission. His purpose must become our purpose. And I'm preparing, as I was preparing this lesson or message tonight, amen, I began to have some realizations. We've got to refocus as a church on the mission of God. We've got to, as a church, refocus on the mission of God. We've got to be focused on it. You've got to take some one days with you when you're out and about and invite someone to church. You've got to, you've got to invite someone, pick up the phone, uh, Monday night in prayer, Brother Walmer's talking about, you know what, we're done with prayer, but you know what, pick up the phone, use it for the glory of God. Invite someone, tell somebody about what God's done. Yeah. Tell somebody that you an encouraging word. Use it. Amen. Be the, be the mouthpiece of God to this world and allow God's mission to become your mission. Allow his purpose to become your purpose. His mindset, his lifestyle, the added, his attitude, his dress, it must become ours. If we are his body and he's the head of the church, 
Amen. There's got to be some connection that takes place. There's got to be some synchronicity that happens. And we understand, amen, like the word of the Lord says, be ye holy for I am holy. Be ye holy because I am holy. The, the head is sending a message down the bottom. This is how you're to behave. This is how you're to act. This is how you're to conduct yourself. You are to be holy because I'm holy. And I'm the head. You're the body. And the head sending a message to the body to be holy as unto the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and 19 declares God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Therefore, the church as the body of Christ has been given by God the ministry of reconciliation. It is our responsibility. It is our ministry to reconcile somebody back to God. To find somebody that's been away from God. That's a, that's been a, a wandering away from God and, and they're distant from God. It's the ministry of the church to say be reconciled back to God. I'm not going to beat you down in your sin. I'm going to pick you up and pull you out and bring you to ye to Jesus. It is the ministry of the church to reconcile the world unto Christ. When we talk about reckon, being reconciled to Christ, the only Christ they see is you. It's you and I. And if you look sloppy all the time in your dress, if you look uh, like the harlot all the time, if you, if you talk filthy and you hang around the nightclubs and we can go on down the line, and then you begin to try and witness, they say, I, try, I understand you're trying to reconcile me to Christ, but I don't see Christ in your life, so where do I go? Well, um, my pastor, no. They need to see Christ in you. That's right. Amen. They need to look at your life and say, wow, that young man right there, you got a shirt and tie, and he's going to church on a Wednesday night. Wow. Not a lot of young men are doing that these days. Wow. You go to church on Wednesday nights? I know everyone goes on Sunday mornings or Saturday nights, but wow. And they see Christ in you. And I'm sure when Brother Nathan goes to work in and out, coworkers, they say, you got a glow on your face. They may not tell you all the time, but I know they recognize it because I see it on you. A glow of the Holy Ghost. That's Christ. And God wants to reveal himself to this world. And for God to be revealed... We can't be hiding the glory with makeup. Makeup covers. It's makeup. It's something that's made up. They need to see there's a natural glow upon that young lady, upon that young man. There's a glow of the Holy Ghost. They're not even wearing makeup. They're not even wearing jewelry. They're not even wearing tight clothes and they're not wearing all these things but there's a beauty about them I've heard people uh, say about many uh, apostolic women and the people in the church those are some beautiful women those are beautiful women because there's a natural beauty that happens amen as we draw closer to the Lord yeah. and it, it's God wanting to reconcile the world unto himself oh. using the church so therefore the church is the continuation in the earth of God's expression of himself to mankind. And just as Jesus Christ's purpose for being was to express 
the unknown, invisible God to this world. Amen. We see that in John chapter 14 and 9. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Just as it was Jesus' purpose, amen, uh, for being to express the unknown, invisible God to this world. It is the purpose, it is the plan of God for this church to reveal Jesus to this world. And we can honestly sometimes, as we're drawing close to him, amen, say, uh, as the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. When you see me, you see what Jesus looks like. It's not that I'm Jesus, but he's on the inside. And what you're seeing is a mirrored representation. You're seeing the reflection of the glory of God upon my life. Hallelujah. That's why when Moses came down off the Mount Sinai, amen, the Bible says that the people could not look upon Moses. And they said, Moses, you got to put a veil over your face because Moses was in the presence of God for 40 days and nights and he was shining. There was a glow. Amen. There was illumination upon Moses' life. And the world recognized it. And the world should recognize when they see you, when they see me, walk through the front doors of our job. They should see a glow and a smile and a well put together individual. See, I ain't got a lot of money. I can't have the nicest clothes. Well, just iron the clothes, clean your clothes, press them, match them together, look presentable, so that when people see you, they see, wow, that's a well-put-together woman. That's a well-put-together man. Who are they representing? I've thought that so many times. If I've been at my job, and when I was at Del Monte Foods, or even my job today, there's all of us, and... You no doubt have experienced this. There's all of you in your, your same work attire. And if somebody walks in, you haven't seen before, in a suit and tie with that little black portfolio. Who's that? Who's he representing? You know. Yeah, because he got dressed up. He got suited up. He got ready. He got prepared. He's representing somebody. Some years ago, I was here at Del Monte Foods in, in Lathrop, the distribution center down the road. And was a regular day. But in out of nowhere came in, I think, two or three big blacked out luxury limousines rolling through our parking lot, our distribution center. I was thinking, well, what's going on here? It was the it was the big dogs. Amen representing a very wealthy investment company come and look at the property before they made an offer and purchased it. But you identified. They represent something. People should look at us. It doesn't mean we have to dress up all the time, suit and tie, where we go. But you look your best. So people say, you go to church. Yeah, I do. I can tell. Wow, what church do you go to? And you can begin to reveal Christ to this world. It happened to my wife just uh, recently. Someone said, you're apostolic, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I can tell. They should be able to understand and say, yeah, you look different. You got a glow. You got a beauty. You look like a lady. You look like a man. You represent Christ in this world. The church is Christ's body to this world. This is both our identity and our mission. I'll say that again. The church is Christ's body to the world. 
And that is both our identity and our mission. Our identity, we're the body of Christ. We're the children of God. The mission, to be the body of Christ to this world. It's both to be and to do. And we've got to get that, I've got to get that deeply ingrained in my heart. And there is no church in the Bible that is apart from being, apart from being the body of Christ. There is no church in the Bible apart from being the body of Christ. At the point that the church ceases to be and to do, it becomes something other than the church. The point at which we stop being the body of Christ and and behaving like the body of Christ, we cease to be the church and we become something else altogether. The church, amen, must be that visible representation of the invisible God and we must carry out the mission of Christ to reconcile the world to Him. We must be that. And I'm preaching, amen, to a body life center on this Wednesday night. You are the body of Christ. Start acting like it. I'm the body of Christ. I've got to behave like it. We've got to live like it. We've got to be the body of Christ. I don't want anybody to look at my life or my appearance and say, man, that looks disgusting. I want them to look at my life and say, wow, I want to be like him. Amen. He's got something that's beautiful, that's wonderful, that's powerful. He's got something that I want. And that can happen. That can happen. I was just uh, watching on YouTube. Uh, yesterday, day before, a message by Brother Merle Ewing some years ago at, at Because of the Times, and he was sharing a story about a woman uh, that went to her job, started a new, I think it was to start a new job, and she was only there for a few weeks, and she hadn't had time to witness yet on her job. She was just being a Christian, being a, a light, and just being a, a, a child of God, Holy Ghost filled, and so on. And the, one of the top persons in that hospital said, What do you got? I want what you got. I want this. Let's do it. And she said, well, you know, I haven't had the chance yet to witness. But what was it that prompted? What was it that got that person's curiosity aroused? What was it that got their attention? It was because she had the, she was the visible representation of Christ. She had the freedom. She had the, the glow of the Holy Ghost. She, she dressed holy. She lived right. She was doing what needed to be done. And the, the world recognized, what do you got? I want you, God. What is it? Whatever it is, I want to have with you, God. I'm going to will and move to give it everything else that I've got and give it all to Him that I might have the joy of the Holy Ghost. I want what God has for my life. It's, it's seeing treasure in the field. It's buying the whole field. Sometimes that looks like a pack of a skull on the altar. Sometimes that looks like a pack of cigarettes on the altar that someone comes to the front and says, God, take it. I'm willing to give up everything, the vices, the things in my life. I'm willing to give up my sin. I'm willing to abandon the old life and give all to you. I want what you have for my life. I want what you have for my life. Hallelujah. The church, you and I, will discover what we are to be by first discovering what God is. Brother Walmer taught a few lessons uh, recently about uh, some of the attributes of God. 
And we begin to know, okay, that's what God is. God's faithful. He's righteous. He's just. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all these things. We say, how can I be more like him? I've got to first know who he is. And a lot of times you first begin to know who he is by coming to church. Picking up a Bible. Saying, God, reveal yourself to me. Let me know more about you. Help me, God, to know who you are, what you are. So as I discover who you are, then I can discover who I need to be. You see, I don't know who I am. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't, I don't know where I fit. I don't, know, uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know uh, who I am. I'm struggling with my identity. I don't know what my purpose is. If you will begin to find out more about Jesus and begin to know him, and you'll begin to draw closer to him in prayer, and you'll begin to walk with him and talk with him, and Jesus is saying, uh, you're, you're the body, I'm the head. Uh, if you're just going to stay connected to me, as you draw closer to me, I'm going to reveal to you what you need to be, what you need to do, how you need to talk, how you need to behave. Uh, but you've got to first draw an eye to me. And as you draw near to him, as you discover more about him, and you turn on the preaching on the ALC Lathan website, and you begin to hear the preaching of the word of God, and you begin to discover that's what God's like. That's what it sounds like. That's what God wants me to do. I know what God is. Amen. I know who God is a little bit better. So therefore, I'm going to change my behavior. I'm going to make course corrections. I'm going to make adjustments that I might be like him. Because now I can see what he is and what he's doing and what he, how he talks and how he behaves and how patient he is. I want to be like him. The church discovers what it is to be by discovering what God is and then not just stopping and saying, okay, I understand who God is. But it's continuing on and saying, now I'm going to reveal those attributes to my world. I'm not going to be an incognito Christian anymore. I'm going to let the whole world see, yeah, I go to church. Here's who I am. Here's who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm going to reveal those attributes of God to the world. Going back to a scripture quoted a moment ago, the Lord says, be holy for I'm holy. Reveal who he is. If he said I'm holy, then you be holy. If he said, uh, you know, I'm going to love those that that despise me and pray for them that despitefully use me and I'm going to love my enemies, then we're going to do the same thing. And we're going to pray for people that offend us, that hurt us, that wrong us. We're going to love them. We're going to do what he would do. We should express what he is. And I'm coming to a close. We should express what he is. That's the only way we can fulfill the scripture that says, Be therefore perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You say, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect either. But if I can get a hold of him a little bit better, I can go on unto perfection. I can begin to perfect things in my life. Areas that I'm not happy with today. I'm going to work on those things. I'm going to perfect them. I'm going to work on my attitude. I'm going to work on my prayer life. I'm going to work on. I'm going to work on soul. I'm going to work on teaching Bible says. I'm going to work on being faithful to church. I'm going to go on to perfection. I'm going to say, God, help me to be perfect like you are perfect. This is why the church deals with matters of ultimate concern. Say that with me. Ultimate concern. Ultimate concern. 
when and if the church becomes preoccupied with non-essential stuff. When the church becomes preoccupied with the non-essentials or things that are just temporary, things that don't matter, a hill of beans, as my father used to say so much. There's some things that it don't matter, a hill of beans, Sister Mary. They don't, whatever hill of beans is, they, they just don't matter. Trust me. So hill of beans, you probably step on it, you walk around it, you would, man, hill of beans. Maybe that's what the expression is. There are some things that are non-essentials. They have no ultimate concern. They're not going to matter. They're not going to matter nothing. I reached that place some years ago. I'll confess there was a time in my life where I used to love to watch sports. I would try to watch every Kings basketball game. Watch, try to watch every 49ers football game. And try to get into it and memorize names. And I never was good at stats, but I, I tried to get into it. And after like a while, maybe a few months, maybe a year, I said, what does it matter if these guys win or lose? This is, this is stupid. Sorry. This is just stupid. This, this doesn't do anything for me. It, it does absolutely nothing for me to sit and watch a baseball game go on for four hours. Sitting on a chair, watching. Guys swing a bat, hit a baseball. You can get into it, and maybe it's fun. I love to play sports. You know, we play volleyball. And I'm not very good, but I had a lot of fun playing anyways. But sitting there for hours just watching. Sit, maybe even some other people sit behind a, a, a video and just play games for hours. Oh, man. That's right. Say it's not bad. You know, it's not of ultimate concern. You're wasting your time. Yeah. Things Preach like it. that do not Preach matter. That's right. They do not matter. It will make no difference in your life. Amen. I reached a point after sometimes uh, the basketball game would go on for three hours, four hours. And I got up and my whole night was wasted. I did nothing. I just sat there like a couch potato. I didn't. I just rotted there. I didn't do anything. And eventually I ended up watching more TV because they gave you commercials. And you want to see more of what's coming on after the show. And I just sat there and said, I just... I didn't do anything. I'd rather go play the sport than watch someone else play. I'd rather go do something with my life than watch somebody else live their life. And you realize these are some non-essential stuff. These are not going to matter nothing. They're not going to do anything for me. It's going to be of no help to me, of no good to me. I'm just going to find something that has ultimate concern. Some things that have ultimate concern. Some things that are really going to help me, sister Jesus. When I stand before God and He says, What did you do with all the time that I gave you? What did you do with all the time? Well, I, I looked at my phone a lot and uh, I, I played a lot of video games. I watched a lot of movies. Uh, I stayed current on all my shows. They weren't bad shows. It was it was all National Geographic, Lord. It, it was animals in a safari. It was good stuff. What I, I learned. I learned about Prison gangs in Guatemala. Okay. Ultimate concern. The church must be consumed with things that are an ultimate concern. The church must be consumed with stuff that we've got to be able to recognize. This is trivial stuff. This stuff doesn't do anything for me. This this doesn't even matter. This is so nonsense. Now I, I can 
you know, I could be in my, my job and they have a, something on the, on the TV. And I said, this is so dumb. Before I left. When, the, when and if the church becomes preoccupied with non-essentials or things temporal, it trivializes its purpose and it narrows the degree to which it can express the eternal God to man. Right. When and if the church becomes preoccupied with things that are temporary and don't matter a hill of beans, it trivializes its purpose. You say, it's not a big deal. I'm not doing anything bad by playing video games all day long or, or by watching a National Geographic all day long or by watching movies all day long. They're all good movies. But why aren't you out there teaching a Bible study, son? Yeah. Daughter, why aren't you out there trying to be a witness? Why aren't you working on your walk with God, trying to get somewhere? And why aren't you picking up a book and reading about the Word of God and reading about more about who He is and what He is and how I can be more like Him? Amen. It trivializes your purpose and it narrows the degree to which you can express God to this world. And it is the purpose of God, amen, for the church to reveal God to this world, to reveal Jesus Christ to this world. It's God's purpose that the world see you. We've had it, Brother Walmer. People walk by the restaurant Teal Peppers few maybe a couple months ago. They walk by, Brother Nick. You're preachers, aren't you? Yeah, I can tell. You're apostolic. They just go down the line. They can tell. They know. You reveal Christ. They should be able to look at you and say, Praise God! I know you're dressed the same as everybody else say in and out, Brother Nick, but now there's something different. You go to church, huh? Yeah, I can tell. They should be able to do that. Sometimes they look at you and say, something different. Can't put my finger on it. But, man, why are you still smiling? I don't know, just happy. My, one of my old, old employers, before I left, they wrote a note to me, a farewell, as I went on to another promotion. They said, keep on smiling, Nate. Keep on smiling. The world loves to see someone that can just have a genuine smile, a Holy Ghost-filled smile. And I'm closing with this. The church is forever suspended as the expression of God to this world. You have God here. The church here. The world here. The way that God is connected to the world or the world connects to God is they go through the church. This vessel, this conduit, this uh, instrument that God has ordained since the beginning of time, the church must allow God to filter through, to flow through. To flow through us. The world must look at the church and say, that's how I get to God. If I'm the world and the church is here and God's over there, if I'm going to find him, I'm going to get into the church. And I'm going to say, okay, that's who God is. And then I'm going to look back and I'm going to fulfill the mission of God. I'm going to reconcile someone and say, come on, come on, come on. It represents a two-directional focus. The closer the church gets to God, 
the closer the church gets to God. If, if God is here, the church is here, and the world is here. As the church says, I'm going to move closer to him. I'm going to move closer to him. The world, if they're going to find him, they've got to come closer. They're going to come closer. The closer the church gets to God, the more of God the world will see. The church must express God to the world. And with that, why don't you stand to your feet with me tonight? Hallelujah. The church must express God to the world. My prayer is that something that was said tonight will be a benefit or help to you. Amen. I like us to, as we close in prayer, I like us to just close our eyes, stretch your hands to heaven, and I want us just to talk to God. God, I pray, Lord, you'd help me to be that church that you want me to be. God, I pray, Lord, you'd help me to make adjustments in my life. God, I pray you'd help me to be the church that you've destined this church to be. Help me to live in such a way, God, that this world, all they see when they look at my life is they see Jesus. Help me to live my life in such a way that I can tell the world around me, when you've seen me, you've seen what Jesus looks like. Help me to live my life, oh God. In such a way that your purpose becomes my purpose. Your mission becomes my mission. Your attitude becomes my attitude. God, your lifestyle becomes my lifestyle. The way you talk becomes the way I talk. The way you dress becomes the way that I dress. Help me, God, to be the church of the living God. And nothing short of it tonight. Help me to love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul. Help me to draw closer to Him, nearer to God, nearer to God, nearer to You, Lord. I want what You have for my life, God. May we ever be that church of the living God tonight. May we ever be that church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen.